Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of The Gunshot. My name is Grant Gunn. Joined with me is my sister, as always, writer at MazMoneyBall.com and co-host of the Blue Hardwood podcast. Lauren, we're back. We got another week, and we had some drama in the NBA last night. I guess that's not really out of the ordinary. <laughs> the NBA is never without drama. But the Indiana Pacers have a little bit of uh, internal, uh, what would you say, turmoil, I turmoil, guess? Turmoil, yeah. Yeah, oh. I think turmoil is a good word. I... Uh... I was not expecting that to wake up to that this morning. I'll just be honest with you. Um, But I don't know that this is a total surprise. I will say, and I said this to you a little bit before we got uh, recording. I, I'm not going to read everything with regarding the Pacer situation and say, Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. This team is on the verge of blowing it up. Like, like a perfect example. One of the article or one of the, the headlines that came out today was that TJ Warren requested, uh, a trade after their, their coach was, was hired. Bjorken was hired. And I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that TJ even got on Twitter and said, uh, don't use my name to push a false narrative or, or something along those lines. Uh, so I, I'm not going to believe everything that I see. However, I also mentioned to you, I mean, the Pacers, like they, they got a good squad. They have got bonus leading that team. They've got quality pieces I mean, TJ Warren is solid. I know he's he's been struggling with injury, and uh, and Karis LeVert has is kind of making his way back and really. I mean, he's he's playing well, but Jeremy Lamb, like they just they haven't quite gotten it all together yet. They haven't had the time to get it together. But when you don't have maybe the best coach, or and, and people aren't all moving in the same direction, or they're, maybe they're not all on the same page, yeah, you're gonna have some problems there, and it's going to create this pressure cooker kind of environment. And so I do think it's something to monitor, especially if you're. Uh, especially if you're a team on the outside looking in at all the assets that the Pacers have in that locker room. Uh, but if you're a Pacers fan, I don't think that this means to hit panic, the panic button. Cause I, I mean, I, it, it doesn't look good. That's for sure. But things come out all the time about, you know, maybe one, something that happened or maybe this guy's unhappy or, or whatever the case may be. And you just leave everything you read and, it doesn't mean you just turn around and blow everything up, especially when we haven't really even seen this group play that many games together, but definitely something to watch. And I get past this season. Uh, I will be very interested to see who the next coach is because I mean, that could, that could change a lot. If there are still a lot of questions, maybe you do see some guys request a trade or maybe you see them try to take things in a different direction. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty that comes with that. What are your thoughts? Right. Uh, so you hit on a lot. Let's break. Let's kind of break down again and give a little backstory for those who may not have seen it. Uh, last night during the the Sacramento Pacers game, um, I'm I've watched the clip and I'm still not quite sure what happened or what started this. Um, there was kind of a a foul in the middle of the lane as somebody was grabbing a loose ball, and then uh, I don't know if it was a TV timeout or if somebody took a timeout on the floor, um, but Greg Foster just kind of goes in and Lauren, you you said the name. We started talking about this before we recorded. I would uh-huh. butcher the name uh, of the guy he was yelling at. Gogo Bitaze. Thank you. There Gogo, it is. Gogo Bitaze. I think I, I think I said that. Okay. Um, <laughs> he kind of just starts tearing into him and, and not really sure what, um, but he was kind of, a, he had to be restrained by some of the other players. Mm-hmm. Um, other players were trying to get him to calm down. 
Uh, and this was an assistant coach. So I don't want to sit here and say like he's out of line by any means. Um, but it's not a great look on the head coach when you've got an assistant coach just tearing into a guy. Um, and it seems like he's crossing the line when you, when you have people holding you back like that. So definitely, definitely not a good look. I think you, you mentioned before we started that, uh, the Pacers find both of them. Yes. Both Greg Foster and is it Bitatze? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Worried about messing his name up again, even though I said it <laughs> 40 seconds ago. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, definitely interesting. Yeah. I don't see this Pacers coach uh, coaching staff sticking around next year. Yeah. I think um, you look at how they performed in past seasons and I think they just are well below expectations. Um, I think they were happy to flip. Oladipo for Harris LeVert. Thank you. I was blanking on his name. Yeah. Um, that was a and, big and time the, move. Right. And so with the talent that they have between Turner and Sabonis and Brogdon, they just, they have a lot of decent pieces. Um, so really I don't do. think, I don't think their expectations were to be in the playing game by any means. So I like to think if they can kind of adjust their outlook, get a, get a coach in, reassess the culture, kind of start from the top. I think that will, um, I don't want to say they blow it up yet just because yeah. The, the, yeah. you need a direction. And I think they've got a decent foundation. So to me, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. Once this, yeah. they'll, they'll ride this season out, they'll move on. Whether they get through the playing game, I think right now they're slotted seventh. Um, they're slotted what, ninth. They're slotted ninth. ninth right now, which I ninth. was like, I didn't realize they were quite all the way down to ninth. I, I thought that they were about seven, eight as well, but uh It's a shame because when you think about the Pacers, I mean, you mentioned it. They got Sabonis, they got Turner, they got TJ Warren, they got uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb. Like, even their bench, they got a solid bench group. TJ McConnell, the Holiday Brothers, Doug McDermott. Like, they have got the pieces, and these guys are on good contracts, and they just can't put it together. And so, in my mind, it's almost like, man, I'd like to think that they're kind of similar to – or like maybe a lesser Denver or like a, a Utah jazz from behind on the timeline, just as far as like not being a team that has a lot of talent and has depth, but doesn't quite have the star power. And I, I, I'll say it all day long. I'm a big fan of Sabonis, but they're definitely not going to be up there with, with uh, some of these top tier teams at the top of the East, but they have the pieces there to be a solid team in, in, in the East and continuity and depth is, is not something to mess with. If you're a team at the top, that is very top heavy. And sometimes your second unit just can't keep up with other teams, second units. Like that is something. So uh, it's a shame that Indiana isn't, isn't doing a little bit better, especially uh, just considering some of the guys on that roster. Cause I really like that team. Yeah. We've, we've talked about a hundred times how, how top heavy the East is and, and how there seems to be a spot for them. So like mm-hmm. to think they put it together and are a little more competitive next season, maybe uh, with, with a potential coaching change. Of course, we're just sitting here speculating the rest of the league. Uh, NBA Twitter seems to be talking about that. Like it's going to happen, um, but maybe not, maybe, maybe things change, but I just got to think, I got to think there will be a coaching change before there's a personnel change. So we'll keep an eye on that. Lauren, I do want to talk a little bit about an MVP race. I know we've done award predictions and we've had this conversation a little bit already. But as we get closer and closer, we're, we're about a week and a half uh, until the season's over. I wanted to talk about kind of this last stretch. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about who has established them as a serious contender. Is it a lock? Because you and I both had Jokic um, back in back when we did our, our 
mid-season updates. Um, okay. I, we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit, but but I, wa- I want to talk about kind of the the updated picture because I think it has yes. finally narrowed down. Uh, the, the race has narrowed down. And so um, I'll let you go first because I have a couple – I have a take that I think might get a little – I don't want to say it gets traction, but but we talked about it last pod. So I'll 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 hear what you have to say, and then and then I'll bring up my Homer Luca take. Okay. Well, so my biggest thing, I'm still on the Jokic train. I think that's where it needs to go. I think that's where it will go, uh, and I'll be disappointed to see anything otherwise. Um, my biggest thing is I want to address the Chris Paul stuff, the Chris Paul traction, um, and this is not a knock on Chris Paul because we have seen the impact he can have on these teams, whether it's a struggling OKC team, a struggling Phoenix team that just hasn't quite put it together, and now look at them. I mean, it's you can't knock his impact, but that's not the award. We don't look at – that's part of the award, but 16 points – like, that. that's not the award. We're The reason we're talking about Jokic and the reason we're talking about – we were talking about Embiid before he went down and, and got hurt was because of the impact and the stats that they're putting up and how impressive it is. The, the award is the most val- – if, if I asked you who would you rather have on your team, not because of Chris Paul's age or not because of Chris Paul's injury or whatever, who would you rather have – like there's so many different ways you could look at this. Who would you rather have on your team, Jokic or, or Chris Paul? I know that that's like a very – like specific way to look at it but the, but the you you're going to say Jokic you are yep. going to say Jokic and to me the award is most valuable player which player has the most value not saying Chris Paul doesn't have value but what Jokic is doing from a numbers level is unreal and yeah. he's also impacting the team so to me as much as Chris Paul is a very very important player for Phoenix and what Phoenix is doing is insane and he gets all the credit in the world for that he is not in the MVP race for me. He's he's like there are guys in the MVP race. I don't even consider him to be in the race because the numbers just aren't there. And to me, the award, the award has never been about team impact. It's part of it, but that's never been the primary factor as to why someone wins an MVP award. Right. I I do have Chris Paul a little higher. I think he's going to finish top six, maybe top five in in MVP voting here. Like that wouldn't shock. He me. will. Because of the um, narrative. Right. And the Suns have just had an incredible season. I think he's a huge part of why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you. I think it will go to Jokic. Um, I absolutely despise the national media narrative that he's not a sexy MVP and therefore can't no be the kidding. MVP. Um, because everything he's doing this season is just unreal. I kind of thought the Nuggets might take a step back once they lost Murray. I still think it's going to hinder them come playoff time and it's going to be more of an impact. Um, but the fact is they have not missed a beat without him. They're, they're eight and two in their last 10. They're still tied for third right now with the Clippers. Um, that, that could go either way, whether they end up third or fourth, but they're, they're very, very firmly in that top group of the Western conference. Uh, and, and they're just playing great basketball. So I almost think that speaks more to Jokic's case for MVP, the exactly. fact that they're having so much success without um, without Jamal Murray. Um, so we'll see how that goes in the playoffs. That could be a completely different story. So I, I think you're right. However, 
I, I can't help but sit back and, and watch what Luca has been doing. And again, I will admit, I watch more Mavs games than I do any other NBA game. Right now, I've got the Lakers Clippers on in the background, but I watch Luca more than anybody else. However, what he has done, um, I, I, there was an ESPN tweet. I think the Mavs were 9 and 14, maybe 14th in the West. Since nope. that tweet, we have been uh, basically winning two out of every three games the rest of the season. Now, up to that point, when we were 14th in the West, we had like three or four guys out with COVID. KP was battling injuries and, and hadn't even started the season. Um, so I'd like to think if this team had played at the pace that we've played since we got everybody back from COVID and everyone was healthy, we'd be right in there competing with the Nuggets and the Clippers because we've been playing at that pace all season. And Luca is absolutely the number one reason why. Uh, I laid out on our very last podcast, if you go back and listen, we've also tweeted this clip. If you go back and listen, I said, hey, there is a scenario in which Luca takes over the MVP race. I, I, we both talked about how we thought it would be Jokic, but we didn't think he had it locked up at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought there was a scenario where Luca takes over, starts to launch the Mavs up to sixth, maybe fifth, <clears throat> where they're sitting right now. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, maybe Luca does deserve some of this MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably cemented himself as second. Um, I think Harden had a case. We talked about him, but he's obviously been out for a while. Um, and oh. so I think I think Luca. My case is that Luca is more valuable, um, but at the same time, I know that if you take Jokic off of the Nuggets, excluding Murray, say Murray's healthy, if you take him off, they're a completely different team. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Jokic, Jokic, I think is more valuable, so I've got to give him that. But I, I don't know. I talk myself in circles with Luca or or without Luca. I don't know that the Mavs are scratching the playoffs. Like like it would be ugly without Luca. Whereas Jokic, at least I think the Nuggets are like, I think they're probably like the Spurs right now, just kind of scratching the bottom of the play-in game. So I don't know. I, I I'll, I'll give it to to Jokic. I think he's doing an un, unbelievable thing. But I just I I, I don't want to sit here and give myself props either because I've I, I said hey watch out for the Mavs. But man, right. Luke, Luca is just doing everything everyone expected him to be doing at the start of the season. I guess it, his slow start is probably what hurt him. Yes. Yeah. It, and it, that's the thing is it is 100% the slow start because I, I guarantee there's nothing the media would have loved more than to hop on this Luka Doncic face of not, maybe not face of the league, depending on where you're listening from. Uh, but if, if the Mavs had come out swinging like nine and 14 at that point, you know, that's like that's a decent number of games into the season, and that is a that's a bad record. So seeing that stretch, I mean, I think people wrote him off then. But and I said this when we did our, our our MVP updates when people were talking about Steph being in there and and even Dame making a case for what he was doing with Portland for a right. while there. To me, that has more uh, not more than Luca, but more than going back to Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul. It, it's hard to explain, but or it's it's hard to, to differentiate. But the numbers the numbers individually aren't there, even though the team success is there. But with what Luca's doing, with what Dame was doing for a little while, keep having Portland in fifth with no CJ, and what numbers that Steph was putting up and looking like they were he was going to take that team to the playoffs. It's still up in the air. I still think they'll get in there, but who knows? Um, 
those that's a very, very difficult team to thing to do looking at a team that would probably be looking at draft lottery night more so than the playoffs. If each of those guys wasn't on that team. So, and the same thing could, could might be able to be said about uh, the Suns. I don't know to the same extent, but it's, it's a different uh, it's, it's, you're comparing apples and oranges when you're looking at the Phoenix versus Mavs, Blazers, Warriors. And so I know Steph is having an insane year. I recognize that, but the Warriors are ninth. Dallas is fifth and he's not getting the respect because he started off so slow. And I, I hear it. And I know we talk about, Oh, his time will come, but having Dallas fifth in the West with Porzingis missing, he'll miss, I think, I believe it's north of 40 games on the season uh, by the end of this season. And having this team likely fifth in the West, finish fifth in the West is unreal. And that's and, and the Nuggets are third in the West. And, and Jokic's stats, if you look at his stats alone next to Luka, they are better than Luka's, slightly, slightly. And the argument could absolutely be made that Jokic has far more help than Luka does. So it's tough, but... The fact that people aren't even saying that are saying that Chris Paul is closer to Jokic than Luca is is absurd, and that people are saying even Steph is above Luca. People are gonna say that's a hot take, and I will admit, like you did, we are biased towards the Mavs a hundred percent. But Luca's not getting the respect that he does and I, that he deserves. And I know that Bleacher Report, House of or uh, what is it, House of Highlights, all these, all these, they all always post Luca's step backs and his highlights, whatever. But at the end of the day, it and while it is the narrative stuff with oh Luca's time will come, I believe that to be the case. You can't at least not act like this kid isn't doing unreal things this season. Like he should be up there in the MVP votes, and people are just not they're just not they're not giving him the credit, and that drives me nuts. Absolutely. The only thing I'll say about Steph, I, I feel bad that the season he is having is being wasted because Clay Thompson got injured. I, I can't. I mean, I'm thankful because it's one less team the Mavs have to worry about this year. But my God, could you imagine He's right on, now? Yeah. What <sighs> Steph is doing, I hope he takes a step back next season for the Mavs' sake because if that Warriors team is healthy, Wiseman also has been, I don't want to say bad, but he's he's been a little disappointing. But if he's able to kind of turn a corner next season and make an impact, uh, you're just looking at a Warriors team who's primed to make another run. Um, Steph has been absolutely amazing. I think he's going to be all NBA first team. Uh, uh yeah, probably with Luca in the, in the guard spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason he's not in the MVP competition is because the Warriors are ninth. If they were, they were any better, if they were seventh, sixth, I think we'd be looking at a, a Steph Jokic competition. Maybe absolutely a hundred percent, but yeah, the narrative is just team, team success definitely matters. So I think that's matter. what's holding Steph back. Um, I'm excited to watch him. I think, I think the best version of Steph is in a play-in game where it's yeah, one back game against matters. The wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. All so day I, long. Uh, I think Dame is the same way. Dame is a all right, you're gonna get it. And I I I can't decide what I want. I, I want a Blazers Warriors game because I just want to mm-hmm. watch it. I don't care if it's the seven or eight or the the play-in for the eight. I mean, I guess. The way it's set up right now, the only way they would play is if the Blazers lost against the Grizzlies, who are slotted in eighth. The Warriors beat the Spurs in the 9-10. And then we got a play-in game for the eighth spot between the Blazers and the Warriors. Like, that would be absolutely crazy, a Dame-Steph matchup. Um, So I want to see that, whatever it takes. Don't care. Sign me up. That would be (laughs) 
just an entertaining game. But definitely. Before we move on, I think we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the playoff teams, some questions we have about some of the teams going into the playoffs, some things to look out for. We'll see you when we get back. All right. Welcome back. So, Lauren, before the break, you and I were talking about the playing game. Do you want to talk about any of the playing teams, anything we, we see there? Not just questions, but uh, things we're looking forward to. Um, things we're not looking forward to, particularly the Eastern Conference snooze fest of a playing game. Oh my the, God! Shots the, fired. The who gets to take on the Brooklyn Nets and the 76ers? Yeah. <laughs> take that SmackDown. Um, do you have any? Do you have any takes on the playing games? Uh, I I I'm excited for the playing games. Uh, as strange as it sounds, as it sounds, if, if Dallas was holding that sixth spot or if, if they end up holding that sixth spot, I will not be looking forward to the play-in games, but right now things are looking okay. Um, just real quick. I do hope looking at, looking at the East, I hope you get, to be honest, I hope it's, it's Miami and, and Charlotte. I do hope it's those two. Um, yeah, I just don't think Washington has, I mean, Russ is having an incredible year, but that supporting cast, I don't know. But I would love to see LaMelo Ball get get into those playoffs, and and I think Miami uh, deserves to be there because this season has just been tough enough. So I'd love to see them get in there. Looking at the West, I think it's far more interesting. Um, You and I talked about the Pelicans trying to squeeze past the Spurs to get in there. I hope we see that just for uh, uh, just ratings, I guess. It's going to be nuts. Yeah, depending um, on how this shakes out, you could have a potential Jaw-Zion matchup. And yeah. you mentioned this before we started, a, a Jaw-Zion matchup on one game and a Luka, or a, sorry, Luka. Hopefully hopefully no Luka in the plan. Hopefully no Luka. Yeah. <laughs> a Dame-Steph matchup in the other game, and that would be, be the NBA, my God, oh would my just God. be drooling over themselves. I know. I And I think that they, oh, I, I think that they're very aware and are, are hoping. I'm not sure if that's what it'll be, but... If I had to guess, um, I, I would I would imagine that the Blazers and, and Warriors, I'm not sure how that's all going to shake out, but I imagine I have to think that they somehow get the seventh and eighth spot. I just I think that experience is going to come into play, and I think, uh, like you said, both of those guys being able to just turn it on when their backs are against the wall. Uh, I really like Memphis as a team. I think they're dangerous with just their personnel that they've got getting Jaron back has been huge. Uh, but again, you're going up against Dame or Steph, even that's really tough. So right. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know that they can do it. Same, whether it's the Spurs or the Pelicans, I don't think either of those teams have enough to, to squeeze by Steph or Dame. Yeah. Lauren, I want to get your take on the playing game as a whole. Uh, uh-huh. there, there's been some talk about it. LeBron obviously has gone back and forth giving his take. Everybody had a good yeah. laugh at his expense. Um, talking about how he didn't really <laughs> care until all of a sudden it might affect him. Right. Uh, Mark, Mark Cuban was the same way, not really talking about it until there was a chance that Dallas was... might end up in it. And so um, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the playing game and then I'll share mine. I, I, I lean both ways. Yeah. Uh, kind of a mixed bag on it, but, but I want to hear what you have. Yeah. I, I'm kind of mixed on it as well. Uh, I think it's fun. Like it adds an extra layer of like competitiveness when you're kind of looking at this first round and saying, okay, we're going to have maybe this series and this series not going to be very fun, but the play in game. I mean, what we're looking at the West, like you said, jaws, Ion, Steph, Dame, like that, that could be crazy. And everyone would love to watch that. 
at the same time, I don't like, I want to say tonight, they flashed an advertisement on TNT that the play-in tournament is the 18th through the 21st. And what I don't like and how I, I, I wasn't sure how this was all going to play out, but the fact this play-in tournament will be happening and you got everybody else who's already in the playoffs putting their feet up, getting rest. And if you go into this play-in game, watch, okay, let me, let me throw out a, a real hype, a, a hypothetical that I don't even like putting this out in the universe, but let's say the Blazers, let's say the, oh, I hate even saying this. Let's say the Blazers go into their play-in game. They're up big and you get a big injury to Dame Lillard. Game's about to end, big injury, he goes down. And they would have finished in the seventh spot, but they're in the play-in game messing around with the winner of whoever it ends up being. And they're just minutes away from entering the playoffs, solidifying their spot as the seventh seed or the eighth seed. And you get a guy going down with an injury. That's a big problem. And that's a big, if that's a big hypothetical, but I, I just, I don't know that I love the the timing of it all. And there's no way to get around it. If you're going to have these games played, like you're going to have teams that aren't playing and are watching. And then you got these, this, you got to wait till it gets sorted out. But like you said, looking over at the East, it's a little bit of a snooze fest, kind of. I think there's 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 probably an argument that could be made that it will be more interesting than it seems. But I, I, I guess it doesn't really matter to us because they're both going to be playing Philly and Brooklyn. So, eh. but or even Milwaukee, probably the Philly and Brooklyn though. But but yeah, I just from from a player, you got to think of it, or at least I try to think of it from a player perspective and also a fan perspective whether you're in it or you're not, I don't like it. Cause I do think it creates the small advantage that I was mentioning with the timing. And I think that it's, it's a little bit risky. And I, I do believe that it was more of a money grab to try and make up for some of the revenue that was lost more so than deterring teams from tanking at the same time on the other edge of that sword, there have been teams this like the warriors probably should have been going for that that lottery pick Spurs Pelicans could have been going for draft picks in this year's draft. And they're not wizards even, and they're not, they're playing hard. So like, that's been fun. Uh, but from a player's perspective, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I don't love it. It's still not sitting quite right with me. Where, where are you at? Yeah. So I want to, I want to cover touch on a couple of your points. So you talked about the, how horrible it would be if somebody got injured. My only counter to that is, that can happen on any given night, not just a play-in. And, of course, the play-in game, you would hate for that to happen. But these guys could be pushing – say the play-in game didn't exist. These guys could be pushing for seeding or a playoff spot altogether the last night of the season, and the same exact thing could happen. So so fluke injuries, while awful, can happen at any point. So I don't want to, like, put that on, On oh, well, if you didn't have the play-in game, yeah, that wouldn't happen. but I do think it is, it does. I think it's going to give a huge advantage to the top two seeds who get the rest and get to play these, these guys who um, are coming off of, of games. Uh, you kind of touched on it. So I, I pulled up this, the schedule real quick. The season ends May 16th, 10 days from now. The play in game starts the 18th, goes through the 21st, and then the playoffs start the 22nd. Now, my guess is how it's going to work is. Whoever plays on the 21st probably won't have to turn around and play on the 22nd. They'll probably give them a day. But for the teams who aren't in the play-in game, they get a break of May 16th to potentially May 23rd. That's that's a full six days 
um, and change when you consider when they're actually playing. But, but that, that is huge for guys right now who are playing one of the most crunched uh, schedules that the NBA has ever seen. That, that six days, six plus days is going to be so nice uh, to, to let those NBA players rest, get some practice in, be able to watch some film, do all those things that you need to do to get yourself ready for the playoffs. And the guys playing in the play-in are not going to have that. So I think that that could be a huge kind of advantage for those top seed teams in a in a situation where they don't need any more advantage. They got home court because they earned it. Um, and so from that aspect, I, I'm not a huge fan. I also think it it hurts the I, I don't know. I go both ways on this point, and I'll, and I'll make both ends of the point because I, I, I you started to make this point as well. It, it devalues some of the regular season where you play 72 games in a normal season. It sounds like they're going to keep this. You'll play in 82 games. Uh, you'll make, you'll be the seventh seed. You will have earned a playoff spot only for them to say, Oh, but you've got to play a play in game and face a team who gets hot two nights in a row. I mean, that, that That's, may be yeah. all it mm-hmm. takes. And so that, that just sucks. I mean, looking at the standings right now in the West, I think most people are going to say, that the Blazers are better than the Spurs. Uh, it's not. I, it's five and a half games right now that separate them. You look at it; that's not a ton, um, but it really is kind of a ton because the Suns mm-hmm. are under five hundred at thirty-one and thirty-four, and the Blazers are sitting at thirty-seven and twenty-nine. So, like, there's just a gap there that um, you clearly see. And so, you would hate for the Spurs to get hot one night uh, or, or two nights, I guess, and bounce anybody from the playoffs and. I guess you would say the Spurs deserve it if they get it at that point, but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that the tenth seed. That just seems too much for me. Maybe if you want to do a seven, eight, nine thing, uh, I kind of like what the bubble did, where they only had a play-in game if somebody was within a certain amount. And I know that was because they didn't play an equal amount of games, um, but I kind of liked that because at least you knew the teams were close. Um, right now you could have, like I said, the Spurs just do not seem like they're in the same league and all it takes is getting hot one night. So I don't like yeah, that. I don't at, like the, that. S- at the same time, it amplifies every single game, especially down the stretch right now. And I think that was the NBA's goal. And so from that yeah. aspect, I've got to say that is a huge win for the, for the NBA because everybody's watching these games every night thinking, oh my God, is my team going to end up in a play-in game? So yeah, from it's... that aspect, I get it. It's true because, I mean, the other night, look at the other night when we were playing the Wizards. Wizards on a hot stretch, and I'm sitting there nervous. I'm like, I mean, Russ had an awesome game, and I'm over here like, God, you got Bradley Beal, one of the best scorers in the league, and you got Russ going off. Like, this isn't a game that I want to play, and without the play-in game, that probably wouldn't have been a game. I don't think Russ has it in him to tank. I don't think Russ will ever be on a team that tanks. Or maybe the whole team will be tanking and he'll be putting up a 30-point triple-double. But it just – it does add a level of competitiveness that we haven't seen. And or uh, like you said, at every single game, every single night, back-to-back or not, whatever the case may be. So I do think it changes things. And from a viewer's perspective, I agree that it has been more fun and it's made things more entertaining Uh but it is tough. It is, it's, it's very tough. Absolutely. So I want to talk about some of the playoff teams now, just some questions we have. Uh, I want to start with kind of what happened tonight. We're recording this May 6th. We both just watched 
the Mavs-Nets game. Uh, they just wrapped up the Mavs one, and I already forgot the score. Um, I want to say it was by five. It was, it was a relatively low-scoring game for Brooklyn standards, 113-109. The Mavs won. It was in Dallas. Um, and then there were a couple things that stuck out to me, Lauren. I will admit I fell asleep for part of the second quarter, so I didn't see the entire game. However, my big takeaway is that Brooklyn's defense – is bad now mm-hmm. i'll i'll let you touch on this more we've talked about whether or not not having harden Kyrie, and durant is hurting them because it's right. going to take it's going to take a little bit of of time for these guys to gel i don't think the seven games they've played is enough uh and so i think the question marks around that combined with the fact that they just are not a defensive oriented team is a huge question mark for the Nets. And if that, if I'm a fan of Brooklyn, that scares me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very scary because I go back and forth. I'm looking at, and I'm like, okay, James Harden's going to, assuming James Harden is healthy for all of the playoffs, what team is going to score more points than that trio? At the same time, they go up against Philly. Joel Embiid's going to average 65 points because (laughs) Nick Claxton it's going to be in the third row because he just got bodied in the paint. Like they have got nobody down there. And I just, that's problematic. And, and you look at, you look at Milwaukee, you look at Philly, like those, those are deep teams and they've got weapons. It just, that's tough. If, if, uh, if Brooklyn has a cold shooting night from three, which is crazy to even think about that, those, that, that trio can have a bad shooting night, but I don't know. I just, Tonight we beat, and, and granted it was Kyrie and KD, but we didn't have KP, and so we needed Tim to step up. Like we needed guys to to do things and and, and really step up to that plate. And fortunately they did it. But for Brooklyn to struggle as much as they did, I mean Blake Griffin, Blake of the Year, I love you, but my goodness. <laughs> My goodness, anytime he was, Luca got this. I mean, Luca was calling for the switch on him. Mm-hmm. And every single time, I mean, it was just, it was unreal. So I'm absolutely scared. Uh, if I'm, if I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan it, from that aspect, because you can't knock the offense, but it's not like some of these other team can't, teams can't put up points too. I mean, you're, if you got a fully healthy Milwaukee, fully healthy Philly, that's not an easy matchup by any means. And, like you mentioned before, the games played together, I do think could come into play. Sometimes you just see miscues. We talked earlier about you just better hope those miscues aren't coming at the wrong time in the fourth quarter. Um, and they very well could. I just, I don't know. So it's it's very tough. Um, if they had a defensive big man and just didn't have the depth, I wouldn't be worried about it. But it's the fact that the defense is that poor. Uh, okay. So uh, we will have to see. But wouldn't that be something? Because oof, it's, Absolutely. it's tough. We, we talked about, uh, before, the, before we started recording, we talked about the impact that that game had on seeding in both conferences. Uh, the Mavs, with the win tonight, uh, put themselves ahead of the Lakers by a half game. Obviously, the Lakers are playing right now. They are getting smacked by the Clippers with two minutes left to go in the second half. Uh, or Sorry, the first half. It's 39-59. Obviously, LeBron is still out. Uh, it seems that that the Clippers have everybody playing for the most part. So um, I'm not going to say like this is a everybody healthy game, 
Um, but definitely, definitely a, a potential sign of things to come. I don't know how healthy LeBron's going to be or, or if he's ever going to, to get to 100%. So that'll be interesting to see um, if these guys play in the playoffs again. I know everybody's going to circle that matchup if it happens. But right now the Mavs look like they're going to separate themselves from the Lakers by a full game while they hold that tiebreaker. Uh, so that's a huge uh, standings impact. And then in the East, um, the Nets two and a half games back of the Sixers, uh, but only a half game now ahead of the Bucks after they lost tonight. So massive impacts on the standings everywhere around. We talked about last week about how important we think it is for the Nets to get the one seed so that they only have to play one of the Sixers and the Bucks, and not potentially both. So I don't want to say that this cemented them as a two seed or even a three seed, um, but it's going to be tough for them to get two and a half games between now and the end of the season on the Sixers. Yeah. Hear me out. First round, Brooklyn versus Miami. Second round, Brooklyn versus Milwaukee. Conference finals, Brooklyn versus Philly. Right. Give me that path all day long. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't know that they get through Milwaukee. I don't either. Like, I really I'm, don't think it's I'm that. I'm going to have to see them just absolutely dominate Miami, and I expect them to. I do, but too. But it's going to have to be to a point that makes me think, oh. Nobody can keep up with them. Right. We might as well just stop the playoffs right now because they're so they're damn close. good. There's no stopping them. Yeah, like that's what's going to have to happen for me to think they can actually beat Milwaukee because I just look at Milwaukee um, and, and their pieces, and I think they've got just a, a complete team. Now, they have questions of their own, obviously, um, but it's kind of the same questions we always have about Milwaukee is, is is their offense, is Giannis going to be, um, what's the word? I don't want to say it's too much put on him, but the floor shrinks. The defense shrinks. They play Giannis a whole different way in the playoffs. Uh, I don't want to say it's the Jordan rules on Giannis, but you just, you keep him on the outside, you pack the paint, you make it as difficult for him because he's not an elite passer. He's not going to find those cross-court guys like Luka does. Not to say he can't, but they make it as difficult for Giannis uh, as possible. And so the Bucks have their own their own questions, but I think the, the moves they've made, bringing in Drew Holiday, um, Chris Middleton's obviously a, a, a ball-handling scorer. Um, I think they're better suited than they ever have been in the past. I agree. Yeah, I like the group that Milwaukee's put together. I think Drew is going to change things big time for them come playoffs because one of the biggest critiques that I've had looking at Milwaukee in the playoffs is, yeah, you got Giannis and, yeah, you got Chris, and I know Chris is a bucket, but there have been games when he didn't do enough, when Giannis was having an off night and Chris just didn't do enough. But being able to not just have Chris, have Drew is huge. So um, I agree. I think they're more of a complete team than ever. And just having Drew might allow things to open up more for Giannis because while teams are going to be so focused on Giannis, you can't forget about Drew and you can't forget about Chris. So uh, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how Milwaukee shifts things or switches things up for the playoffs, uh, whatever it is that they try to do. But it's going to be fun for sure. You can't just look at Brooklyn and Philly and say it's between those two because Milwaukee is right there. Absolutely. I want to shift gears to the West. Uh, we talked about the Nuggets already, and basically their big questions going to center around on how things are impacted without Jamal Murray. I don't, I don't see them going too far. I think their ceiling is probably a second round matchup. I can't see them getting past 
too much more than that when they don't have kind of their second punch. Um, Jokic may surprise us, and he is good enough to change a series. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be good enough to beat, say, the Jazz or the Suns four times. Right. Um, so, so we'll just see. They may not get out of the first round even because, like we said, when we get to the playoffs, the game changes. And so if you don't have somebody who can consistently take some heat off of your number one, um, it's going it's going to be rough. And so I, I don't know how the Nuggets are going to perform. I'm selfishly hoping that the Mavs end up facing the Nuggets because I think that's a matchup we might be able to, pending our own injuries, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen with KP, but I know. if the Mavs are healthy, all things considered, I like our odds against the Nuggets. So we'll see. Are there any other teams, Lauren, in the West that you have questions on or, or concerns about? Uh, I want to I want to make this point, and I've alluded to it before with Phoenix. Uh, uh, I want to say our last pod, I said that I'm okay going up with Phoenix in the playoffs, and that's tough. I'm not going to take that statement back, but one of my biggest concerns is the lack of experience for DeAndre Ayton specifically because the West has a lot of tough bigs, and whether if they end up going against the Lakers or the Jazz or – Jokic what at some point in the playoffs whatever the case may be even someone like Jonas Valanciunas a very experienced very versatile big who I just I I mentioned before and I hate to phrase it this way but I don't think uh Aiton has the highest basketball IQ there are just times when he looks lost and that is my read on the situation uh having a, a point guard like Chris Paul and even someone like Devin Booker that might help you uh, really tighten those screws and hold guys accountable and, and elevate the gameplay of your guys. But I think when it comes down to it, if you're relying on someone like DeAndre Ayton to really kind of, I don't want to say anchor your defense when you've got someone who plays with such a hard nose as Chris Paul, but um, DeAndre Ayton, like there are going to be certain expectations from him in the playoffs. Uh, and I just, I don't know that he's going to be rise to, or, or achieve them or, or, or fill them right now. I think he's going to be just fine and he's a fantastic big to have and he will be a big part of this Suns team and their future success but I don't think he's going to be enough this year in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm looking at the Western standings and I, I, I can make a case or, or ask a question about every single team. I think the biggest concern for the Jazz at the top uh, is going to be Donovan Mitchell, can he stay healthy? Um, because we've talked all season about how we think that team is for real. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to go back on that now that we're getting closer to the playoffs. I, if, if Donovan Mitchell's not healthy, I think that changes everything. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to say that going into the playoffs, I, I think everybody is focused on getting themselves right, making sure everybody's healthy. So if Donovan has to sit out a couple of extra games, maybe that costs them the one seed. But if you're the Jazz, who cares? So. Um, obviously biggest question is their health, but, but, but we'll see. The only question I don't have about a team is the Clippers. I look yeah. at them and say, you know, Kawhi and Paul G, uh, Paul G, Paul George, <laughs> PG, uh, they're, they're both healthy right now. They brought in Rondo at the trade deadline. As much as I do not like Rondo, I think that was a great move for them. I um, I just, I just, after what happened to them last year, I think they're kind of determined. They said, we don't care what seed we are. We'll be one. We'll be two. We'll be eight. Don't care. We're going to show up and we're going to take care of business. And I think it's going to help them a little bit that the Nuggets are banged up. The Lakers yeah. are banged up. 
the Jazz, um, they're definitely banged up right now, but they've not consistently been a playoff contender. Uh, I, I think they got to the Western Conference a couple years ago, and they were real close last year. Um, so I'm not going to say that they don't have playoff experience, but uh, the question is, can they get over the hump? I don't know. Suns, we talked about their lack of inexperience, and then the Mavs have their own injury concerns. So if I'm right. the Clippers, I'm like, I don't care who we play. I, th- I think Agreed. the rest of these teams are probably thinking, ooh, like like the Mavs, like, ooh, I think we'd like to play the Nuggets first round. Uh, the Jazz, Suns, maybe they're looking down the down – the, of course, they don't have a ton of control considering the playing game. Um, but I, I think if you're the Clippers, you're like, yep, just tell me when and where. And so right. – I, I just think they're suited for a run. It, it, I hate, I hate to say it, but we might be looking at a Clippers Nets, and I'm not sold on the Nets, so I, I'll back off yeah. on that. But I yeah. think we might be looking at the Clippers coming out of the West here, um, because they're just, they're they're suited for it. They've got the roster. Yeah, they do. They do have the roster, and and one of my biggest concerns with the Clippers this year was what's the big man situation because. They got Ibaka. That was awesome, but he sh- he's been battling some injury, and I just wasn't sure if Zubox was going to be enough in the playoffs against Jokic, against Gobert, against AD. I wasn't sure what that would look like, but like you said, a lot of these teams are banged up, and the Clippers, not even just with the big man problem, like they're not that they are not who they were last year. They are better. They've got it together. They've got they've got the roster. They've got more continuity. I think they're ready, and it, I hate saying it as a Mavs fan, but and I, I've said on here and I've said on locker room, I've said that I want the Clippers because I think the rivalry is so tough. But I don't think Dallas would. Realistically, I don't know that Dallas is coming out of that series. I want it because it would be so competitive, and I'd love every second. But the Clippers are right there at the top of of these teams at the top of the West, and and I think if they if they find themselves going up against. Uh, the Lakers at any point, a healthy Lakers team, I think that's going to be their biggest test. But sure. the Lakers have a long way to go before they're healthy. I don't know what, like, how much are do they really have to, like, how, what, how I just don't, they're not quite there yet. And so that's, that's tough. And and like you said, uh, with, with all these other teams in their situation, like things are looking good for the Clippers. And uh, I like Zubox. I know I, I, I kind of just like knocked on him a little bit, but he is a tough big. And when you've got someone like Kawhi, someone like PG, even someone like Rondo to kind of hold it down with that veteran experience and the playmaking, you don't need Rondo. Rondo doesn't even need the average five points a game, but the impact that he's going to have as a playmaker with the vision, with the experience is huge. And that trade was worth it 10 times out of 10. So uh, yeah, the Clippers are in a very, very good spot. And uh, that is definitely a team that I'm not wanting that I, if I'm a, a lot of the teams in the West, I don't want to play, but Absolutely. We'll have, we'll have think, to see. I think uh, you touched on it. The Clippers really only question is surrounding their bigs. I think when they added Boogie, they kind of said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take that bullpen big approach and throw right. Zubac or Boogie and Daniel O'Toole even out there yeah. in, in spot situations to say, "Hey, you might beat us with AD or Jokic, but we could have our own AD and Jokic. Like like if AD and Jokic go up against each other, they're each gonna score." Like, like one is not going to stop the other. So a Clippers could have their own big man and it would not matter. You're not looking for somebody to stop those guys, but right. you're looking for somebody to hold their own and make those guys work. And Boogie and Zubach are guys that can, that can do that. They can make, AD, That's true. they can make, um, 
Jokic work, and, and that's all you need because Kawhi and Paul George They'll let them it. take care of the rest. So, Agreed. That's a great point. So we'll see. There are a lot of questions to go. We've got a, a week, a little over a week, 10 days left of the regular season before we hit this playing stretch, and, and there's a lot of drama to unfold between now and then, a lot of games to be played. And so we'll come back, I think, next week and break all that down as we have a better picture of everything. Um, but the playoffs are around the corner, Lauren. It is a great time of year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it really is. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, some of these first-round matchups, I know people are probably going to be looking at them and be like, eh, that'll, uh, that'll be a snooze fest. But I just – you never know. I don't, I don't necessarily think we're going to be seeing any upsets, but you just never know uh, what teams are going to be looking a little bit more impressive than – that people may have first thought and which teams are going to be looking a lot worse than people were expecting and how that may transition to what happens in the off season and how that might set up certain uh, storylines or, or, or whatever the case may be going into the off season. So we'll have to see how things shake out, uh, but I'll definitely be tuning in. That's for sure. Absolutely. I, I think the West is there. It's just more open this year than it's ever been in the past. And I think that's just going to make for a more entertaining playoff. So we'll break it all down as we get there. Looking forward to it all every step of the way. Everybody, thanks for joining us on another edition of Gunshot. We will see you next week.